Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having DPT Steph, creator of All Things Physical Therapy podcast, as well as dptsteph.com. Steph is an acute care physical therapist in New York, and she provides coaching and assistance for pre-PT, current PT students, and new grads via resources, webinars, and social media content. She also provides physical therapy apparel through her website. Her podcast is focused on emphasizing the interdisciplinary team through all settings of PT. Steph, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on, and we're really grateful for that. Um, Would you be able to introduce yourself to the audience and give a little bit of a background of yourself? Yeah, so as you said, um, known as like DPT Steph, um, I'm an acute care physical therapist. I work in New York City, which is where I'm originally from. Um, I graduated from Stony Brook's PT program on Long Island in 2019, so almost two years out of school. I dabbled a little bit in outpatient orthopedics on a temporary license before switching full-time to acute care, and I kind of created uh, the DPT Steph platform um, on Instagram a little over a year ago when I just kind of discovered how much I like helping students or pre-PTs and kind of, you know, learning from my mistakes and experiences and being that support system for a lot of people, because I know I didn't have that uh, when I was in their shoes. And there's a lot that I wish I did know. Um, So it's been really fun to, you know, kind of explore and be able to help so many people provide resources. And then also while sharing the side of acute care that many people don't know about. That is awesome. Um, That is really cool that you were able to start in the ortho world and then kind of go over to the acute, acute care setting. Could you describe a little bit about that and what got you into PT and kind of explain your career path to everybody? Yeah, so what got me into PT was actually pediatrics. Um, I've always enjoyed working with kids. I had um, I had an interest in healthcare in general, but wasn't sure if I wanted to do pre-med or something else. So I found a bunch of local physicians, um, OTs, PTs kind of in my area. So when I was on winter or spring or summer break, I was doing a lot of shadowing and volunteering and ultimately fell in love with PT and specifically pediatrics in like the outpatient realm. Um, So I've always loved working with kids and it really just kind of showing their resiliency with everything really sold me. And then when I made my way through PT school, I had my first affiliation in subacute rehab, which I enjoyed, outpatient orthopedics, which I also enjoyed, um, and pediatrics, which I also enjoyed. And then finally, my fourth one was acute care. And that was the one that I really loved. Um, There was nothing that I didn't like, which was the problem. But then when I got to acute care, I was like, this is it. This is kind of where I'm meant to be. So I think because I did think that I was pre-med at one point and did enjoy all of those science classes in addition to biomechanics and kinesiology and all that stuff, um, I was able to use a more medical science-y background, for lack of better words, I'd say, in the hospital setting. So that's kind of why I ended up there. 
Okay, no, that makes that makes sense. Definitely, I, got, I had an opportunity to shadow at a, a pediatric outpatient clinic, and that was a really cool one as well. I I liked the like what you said about the resiliency of the children that they were always. Although sometimes they have their occasional kind of uh, rough day, but they were so upbeat and so excited to do physical therapy. And that was such a unique thing. I feel like in that setting that sometimes it's not always applicable to all different settings. Um, if they're, if they're that resilient in their, in their desires to do PT. Um, but it's cool that you're able to explain how all of your different clinical rotations, you found an interest in them, and then you were able to enjoy each one and found what was best for you as well. I wanted to know, how did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Why did you decide to get into that realm and what motivated you to do that? Yeah, so it was kind of very spur of the moment. Um, I'm not a big social media person on my end. Like I've never, even on my personal accounts, was never big into posting and things like that. But I always enjoyed, loved watching YouTube and, you know, following a bunch of people on there and constantly learning from that way. When I started on a temporary license in the outpatient that I was at for a couple of months, um, they were trying to build a social media presence, which is why I was more intrigued and kind of made an account to assist with that. And I do kind of have a knack for it because I did help um, a couple of PT world people um, with social media during my PT career, PT student career. But I was like, wait, this is actually kind of fun. But then when I started acute care, it kind of came more to light because I was like, no one talks about acute care. So being one of the first people on the platform to bring light to this setting and then realizing how many doctors or nurses or people in the profession, professions that we work with every day I could connect with, um, it just kind of all happened very naturally. And I never did it for money. I never did it for a following. I just did it because I loved sharing what I did. It attracted a lot of students because acute care is not talked about a lot in most programs, um, sometimes not even for one semester. And because of that, they really latched onto what I was talking about, which then kind of branched out into helping students. And again, like I said earlier, just really emphasizing things that I wish I knew or resources I wish I had when I was in their shoes, because there wasn't anything like that for me, even though I went to a great program with a lot of resources available, it wasn't exactly the same. There was no like go-to person. So I feel like I, I wanted to be that person for people because I know the lack of things that are out there. So it just honestly, it came very naturally and was not forced at all, which has made it so much more fun and enjoyable. And yeah, that's just kind of how we got to where we are today. No, that is awesome. I definitely remember finding your account and seeing that as far as acute care PTs on social media, I feel like you're definitely one of the bigger presence out there. And to be able to, to learn kind of how, what life is like as an acute care PT was really cool, really eye-opening. In PT school, you, like you said, at least for us as well, like we learned a little bit of that, but in order to be able to learn all the content and all the knowledge that we need to be in DPT programs, it's very rushed and very fast. And so to be able to have that experience of you sharing all of your thoughts, especially with everything with COVID, um, that was, especially being in New York, kind of in, in the center of it all, that was really cool and really eye-opening to see how important um, and how necessary acute care PTs are. Could you explain maybe a little bit of the experiences or, or things that occurred uh, with COVID and being an acute care PT and how important and gratifying your job was during that time? Obviously, we know it was very, I'm sure, intense and emotional, but could you explain the gratitude that you have towards, towards that time, things that you learned throughout, the, throughout that experience? 
Yeah, so um, I remember the last day of work I had on like one of the weeks in March, it was, we were wondering, are we going to get masks? Or is this virus going to be serious? Like kind of what's going on? Um, and we started to get a trickle of patients here or there. And then I came back to work two or three, not even, I mean, yeah, I think it was two days later. And it was like all hell broke loose for lack of better words. And that's kind of when everything um, shut down and the city was honestly a ghost town. And if you've ever been to New York City, you know that you can sometimes be like a sardine on the streets. Um, so for it to be completely empty was insane to see. But as far as the role of PT, um, so I know every hospital kind of handled it differently with what the resources were available. But in my specific hospital rehab, so PT and OT, or I believe speech is, was involved in the beginning as well. Like we were not touching patients for the first two, three weeks after that lockdown because they did not know how these patients were going to react. Um, they did not know what their bodies were capable of. Um, we had PTs from our hospital system and our outpatient facilities deployed to our hospital to help out. And we just needed all hands on deck. We had PTs that went on to like night shifts where they were helping um, nurses and respiratory therapists and other physicians uh, prone patients because we found that that was helpful for oxygen and lung perfusion. Um, and then they found that proning some of these patients was way too fragile because they were the second that they would go on their stomach, sometimes they would have rapids or codes. And unfortunately, a lot of patients were not making it um, because that's how fragile they were. So after a couple of weeks and patients, some patients, uh, emphasis on some, were coming out of intubation or were just deconditioned um, after being on oxygen for a little bit, we started seeing them. But I would say the bulk of the services probably were more towards, now mind you, that was March, um, was probably maybe towards the end of April, beginning of May, um, and mostly in May and June, because that's when most of the patients were coming off of being on a ventilator. Um, and that was two, three months, sometimes more for some people that they were finally coming off. Um, I had patients that I worked with, we were seeing every day, almost twice a day, which is still beyond rare in a hospital, but because we had the staff and we had so many patients that really needed intense rehab. That's what we had to do. They couldn't hold themselves up at the side of the bed. They couldn't, they had no neck control, no trunk control. Control. There, we were watching oxygen levels, heart rate, all vitals, like super, super closely. And our goal was to either try to get them home or to acute rehab, just a facility that, you know, could best help them. Um, and it, weeks would go by for some of these patients and they were barely making progress because that's how deconditioned they actually were. So it was a very big learning experience. It was rewarding in the fact that we were able to help them, but it was also not, it was equally not rewarding because you felt like you were helpless sometimes with how, uh, how far off or worse off they were. But with that being said, it would just kind of show the importance of our role and what we needed to do for all these patients. And I'm sure people who were in rehab facilities or outpatient facilities even like got their fair share of working with these kinds of patients as well. Yeah, no, I currently I'm on a clinical rotation in an in, inpatient setting as well. And we're still having people that are recovered from COVID just recently. And to see the, the deconditioning that occurs and the weakness that occurs, and the, the progression that has to take place is truly amazing. Um, 
it was it's really gratifying to see that like these people now that we have are are obviously recovered and they're making great progress but still to have to have such a big gap from where they their prior level of function was is is kind of crazy um but it's so cool at the same time to see them progressing and and getting back to where they were at but i can only imagine how how intense that was over there with everything like truly the world closed down and everything a lot especially going on in new york was was so intense and to have so many patients um i'm sure that and must have been very overwhelming and to do your to your best that you could but obviously we we're learning things on the fly and i'm sure that you had learned a lot and that, from that experience and it was a really eye-opening experience from that kind of switching back now to the entrepreneurial side um, but thank you so much for sharing your experiences with that um, we're grateful for for all of your help that you were able to provide during that time what would you say with social media and with your business that you've created how you kind of mentioned it that other people that you kind of started with in the ortho world had been wanting to create social media platform for their company. What was the importance of that while you were creating yours? Um, and what, was, what are some important things that you learned along the way in creating that following, creating that community that you have now? Um, so like I kind of mentioned earlier, it, ha- it just came very naturally. And I think that's something that people really need to hold on to whenever they're doing anything social media, because if you're forcing something, if you're doing something for money, if you're doing something for a following, or you're putting like a lot of pressure on yourself to create this whatever kind of image um, for whatever reason, it's not, in my opinion, ever going to work out because in order to create a community or to create people who like actually want to engage with you or learn from you or whatever your goal is, you need to build it like any other connection, like a friendship. So, I mean, I know some people that, some things that people have told me that they enjoy the most out of my stuff is I do like almost like storytelling. And that's just something that comes very naturally to me. Like I never, you know, had an idea for a post and I was like, let me write it this way. Like, this is just how I write and who I am as a person. And because it came so natural to me, people gravitated towards me for me being me. It's as simple as that. So that's kind of something that I have, realized over time and you know people don't want a logo they don't want a you know storefront they want an actual human connection and if you even think about your small businesses or things in your community that you enjoy doing you're doing it for a reason not for necessarily like the actual product like what does the product bring you I feel like I'm like going into like a Marie Kondo kind of like branch right now where it's like does that item bring you joy um (laughs) But that's just kind of, I don't know, that's my take on it. I know a lot of people don't always agree, but that's kind of what I've seen for myself and for things or people that I've worked with, like kind of what works best. No, yeah, that makes that, like, I, I totally can resonate that with what you've posted on your Instagram, especially recently too. Um, like you had, I think last week, you talked about an experience that you had like with covering and, and working with COVID patients and the kind of the the realness of what was going on with, patients families like if they had experienced death while they had had COVID and having to try to break that news to them explain those things that was helped me at least get a realistic picture of what's going on in your world and especially in the world of acute care PT Um, so that was that was something really cool because we don't get those experiences sometimes in in DPT school depending on our clinical rotations um, or how it all works out if we didn't have that shadowing experience so to be able to to at least get a glimpse of it through your eyes is, is really cool. And you were able to share that, I think, really well, obviously. I, I was really eye-opened to, man, that must be a really hard thing to have to talk to somebody with, about. And 
even work with them throughout that whole time that they're realizing things that have gone on with their family while they've been sick with COVID. And so, no, I think being able to share your stories is something that I've really enjoyed. Sometimes I also, they're really funny and really real. Like they, they don't try to sugarcoat, like everything is perfect. Everything is great. Um, You share the good and the bad. And that's something that I think you're right. Like is, is you. And that is so unique and really makes it enjoyable to be able to learn from. Yeah. And that's one thing that I kind of always, like I said, I never, you know, wanted to be on social media to simply be on social media. It just kind of all happened very naturally and everything, the pieces just fell into place. And I think that's some, you know, I actually, I think I did a poll about this a week ago because I, I saw someone else talk about it and I was intrigued and it was about just people's opinions on influencers and that word. And I cannot stand that word. <laughs> it just has such a negative connotation to it. But I mean, okay, yes, you're influencing in a way, but like, that's not, you know, what you're called. Like I'm a PT first and this is just kind of what I talk about. Um, but I think the thing is that people need to realize is that we are humans and social media is, oh my gosh, I probably don't even think like 0.1% of my day. Um, and, you know, when we're in PT school, we're so, so it's saturated with textbook information. And then if you don't have good clinical experiences or enough clinical experiences, especially with COVID now, they know people have limited experiences. Um, you don't get to see what's out there and you need to remember that you're a human and your patients are human. So despite everything that they're going through, whether it's pain and injury or surgery, whatever, they're human first and you can't lose that in translation. So you know, I show the bad days. I show that I don't go on social media on the days that are more stressful. Sometimes I get a little passive aggressive on things and I'll post things. And, you know, I mean, it, it might not fit everybody's style, but this is who I am. And I'm not going to filter that because that's just, you know, we need more people out there that kind of show the whole entire package. And it also makes people feel a lot more comfortable and like they're not alone. Um, and I think in today's world, everyone kind of needs that reminder. That that's totally true to be able to be authentic and be able to share everything and how it is that that was that was great and that like attracted me to your page and be able to follow you um and so that i really understand that and i definitely felt like that was one of the reasons why i started following you and learning all those things with that what would you say was one of the biggest challenges when you first decided to become a entrepreneur in the field what were some of those issues that you had that you faced and that you've learned from Oh, geez. Um, It's so hard for people to stay original. I'll say that. I won't have, I don't think there's any like real logistical type issues that I face because um, I, this is not a brag by any means, but I just tend to be very like tech savvy and like good with that kind of stuff. So like, I haven't really had any like issues in that realm and I'm very good with figuring things out on my own. So I will Google the crap out of something until I figure it out instead of asking somebody else. Um, but I think originality is a big thing. And it's just been very frustrating when you're on a platform and then you see other people start to kind of do exactly what you're doing. And it's like hard to kind of, you know, keep going and pushing through. But I, you know, I've had a couple of mentors who have been really good to me and they've just reminded me like you know people are here for you so you know everyone might have similar ideas here and there but that's you have to keep people are here for you and and what you are bringing to the table not necessarily like what exactly you're saying so that's just like an issue or I wouldn't even really call it an issue it's more just a frustration of things that I realized and that's just kind of the first thing that came to my head because I really don't think there is anything else because 
I mean, like I said, I, I do, I'm just going to keep saying it because it's just like, I've just been very fortunate. Like I, it just, just, just does come very naturally to me. Um, I don't put pressure on myself to fit like a posting schedule or certain content. Like I took off most of April, I took off and I didn't even realize it just because I was just burned out. And like, I was like, looked back on the month and I was like, you were barely posting this month. Um, so it's just one of those things that if you're just enjoying it and just kind of going through it naturally, I think it just comes and, you know, obviously like finances and stuff, you know, are, can be an issue sometimes, but I'm not doing it for the money. So like, it is what it is. I don't know. Interesting question. I have to like, think about that now. Cause I'm like, have I had issues? <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's great that you had like, that you felt like that. And um, that makes, that makes sense to me. Like if you're, if you're enjoying it and you have that passion behind it, that it doesn't really like, you don't may, you might not be able to see those issues as much because you have that passion. You have that motivation to be able to overcome them. But yeah, also if you're going through it and just enjoying the process, like I don't think you would see those issues as much. And that's, that's great. Um, one of the things you did mention was mentors. And it's obviously a very popular word now. And I feel like in today's society, what would you say the importance of a mentor is um, in your career? Um, and what does having a mentor, what have they taught you that you still apply today? Yeah, so I actually don't have a formal mentor. It was more so people that are just a little more like experienced than me that I've spoken to here and there. Um, I've, I remember when I was looking for my first job and I, even was like going on interviews before I even got my temporary license, just kind of saying, okay, what meant everyone grilled mentorship into your head that this is what you needed on your first job. So I grilled that question on every interview that I had. And I come to realize that it's not necessarily about the mentor in your first job or in your career. It's just about the environment and making sure that the environment is good for you to flourish in and you're making connections as you go. Um, and I actually mentioned this in the post that I did last night because, like I said, I don't have a formal mentor, but in the workplace that I'm in now, I have a really good support system from management and supervisors. So, like, if I have a thousand questions, they will get answered and I can set up, like, meetings time to do so. And when I started my training and the process that I was involved in was very thorough as well. So, I think, you know, when, it, when I talk to students or new grads and they're trying to find their way, I think... If you can find someone to lean on, that's great and answer all your questions, that's great. But I think you need to also put yourself and surround yourself by people who are also constantly willing to learn and push each other because sometimes that's a little bit better than like a specific one-on-one mentor. That's just my take. Oh, that that's good. Uh, to be able to surround yourself, I think is so valuable with people that are, are like-minded, but also people that are have different thought processes because it's able to challenge you to be able to explain I think sometimes in the world of PT, we can get our, our thoughts and ideas kind of set up on how we treat, but to be able to have someone incorporated in that group of people that are like that you are influenced by to challenge your thoughts um, really helps you, at least, at least for me, it has to not, and I'm still like super young, obviously in the process, still being in DPT school, but having people have different thought processes on how to treat helps me at least understand, okay, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because everybody is wanting to do this or am I really believing in this and have a, a thought process on why I go about having a certain treatment plan or plan of care. Um, yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, what is something that you would wish you had done sooner, either in the physical therapy world or in the entrepreneurship world, that once you've started doing that, you've realized how much you enjoy it and you wish you could have done that earlier. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I used to think like, wow, I wish I did the social media thing earlier. 
But then I think back and I'm like, no, I think starting it now was probably, or what I did was the best thing to happen because I needed to focus on school and learn at learn about school and get my foot in the door first before I started branching out to other things. Um, as far as being a student, I wish I took a little more pride in my independence. And what I mean by that is not worrying about what everyone else was doing, how they were studying, what experiences they were having, extracurriculars or continuing ed courses or whatever. Unfortunately, I kind of found, figured that out by the end of second year and going into third year. Um, but it's really hard sometimes to just focus on yourself. I mean, ultimately it's your career and you need to figure out what's best for yourself. So, you know, when everyone's figuring out clinical placements or um, how they're studying for the next test, like you need to do what's best for yourself because ultimately it's just you and the patient with nobody else around um, and you should be happy doing it. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of my sense on everything. I, I don't, I, I just, and that's something that I, I preach to a lot of the students that follow me whenever they, you know, they say like, oh, I, you know, the grade, the test average was this, but I was below it, or, you know, I didn't study too well, or I feel guilty for not uh, studying enough, or I don't get to go to the gym anymore, or whatever, whatever. And like, you really just have to be selfish. And I've, I've said that, and it sounds terrible to say to be selfish, but it's like, ultimately what you have to do, because this is your money that you're spending on tuition and we know tuition is not cheap and you need to, you know, take as many experiences from that as you can, because I, I wish I like participated in a little bit more than I did in PT school, but I was so burnt out and so stressed that I thought studying was like the only thing I had to focus on. Um, but that, with that being said though, you can't change the past. So moving forward, you just have to learn to soak up everything that you, you actually want to do. Yeah. You, one of the things you mentioned in there um, was burnout um, in PT school or in, I think you're also in the career. That's something that I think we talk about a little bit during uh, PT school, but definitely as I've learned more, like it's, it's a real thing, even in the, in the career field. Um, what are some things that have you experienced burnout in the career field as well? And what are some of the things that you have learned in creating a good work-life balance time management skills, what are some of those things that you've done to be able to help you avoid that, those feelings of burnout? Yeah, so I think I experienced burnout so much when I was a student that I kind of know how to avoid it, at least a little bit in the career. Uh, mind you, last summer, I think was probably the toughest point, but I also blame COVID for that. It wasn't necessarily like being a PT in a hospital um, or just being a PT in general. As a student, I think like I said before, I was so consumed by studying all the time that I didn't put my family, I didn't put my friends, I didn't put going to the gym or anything fun as a priority because I was thought this was what it was expected of me. And nobody told me otherwise, because also like you think to your friends and family who are not in grad school, like they don't know or don't really understand. And um, they just say like, oh, just go to the bar, just go have a drink or go to the gym. Like it's only a half hour. But when you're dealing with the stress ball, like I was that half hour, you know, kind of, it seemed like it was very daunting if I missed that half hour or hour for studying. It's not talked about. No one in my program talked about it. Imposter syndrome. I think I remember one student in my class and he's a gem of a human being. And he posted, I don't know why this is so vivid in my memory. He posted something in our Facebook group 
maybe like second year, third year about imposter syndrome. And I remember reading it and I was like, I don't know what the heck this is. Like, what is this kid talking about? And now so many students I see online talk about it. And I'm like, holy crap, this kid knew what he was talking about. Like everyone needs to be talking about this. We're all probably feeling this in one way, shape or form. So that's one thing that social media is great for. And I know that all these students really talk about often, but I think you need to remind yourself that it's okay to take breaks. It's their study guilt may happen, but you need to just kind of swallow it and push it behind you because it's not reasonable in the slightest. And when I kind of figured that out halfway through my PT school career, when I tell you my grades, my mental health and everything around me significantly improved, which I never probably would have believed a year before that, um, it makes such a big difference. So you, I put myself on like a steady gym routine. I started part-time working. I started getting like, I forced myself to get my, I'm a person that needs my seven, eight hours of sleep. If I sleep less than that, I'll be hella cranky. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I did all of that stuff and really just put myself first. And I focused on myself and experiences that I wanted to do. And then surround yourself, of course, with people who, you know, have the same beliefs and ideologies as you and, um, values as you in when it comes to this profession and you will watch yourself fly and I think you need to remind yourself of that because it's it's hard and you know when you start school you think you need to do so much because you're getting thrown so much information at you but when I tell you that one no one gives a crap about your grades after you graduate um, or dean's list or any type of scholarship kind of award thing at graduation, like none of that matters. So if, you know, getting a 3.4 GPA versus a 3.6 GPA is going to make or break those few awards, like it's okay. (laughs) You are fine. Um, And I I will always say this, like B's get degrees. And I was a mostly B student and I'm actually like a lot prouder of myself than probably if I got A's and suffered for three years straight. So put some less pressure on yourself and just, you know, find the fun in PT school. That's what I would, I, my biggest piece of advice would be because you need to find, this is supposed to be a fun journey because you're finally getting to do something that is your career for the rest of your life. So enjoy it and try not to stress over it. Even though, yes, at times I will admit it is going to be stressful, but don't hold that burden with you the whole entire three years. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. That is that is great advice, I feel like. I definitely remember feeling especially early on when I got in. So in my program, NAU, it's an accelerated uh, program. And the didactic portion basically are the first two years, uh, not even the first full two years, kind of that first full year and then um, the fall and the spring semester. And that summer of that second year, all the way through December of that year is basically three 10 week clinicals and that's it. So it's a really fast program. And I definitely felt time when I was like, this is so much information. I'm not I'm like studying it, but I don't feel like I'm truly understanding it all. And I feel unprepared and I just kind of that, that imposter syndrome definitely kicked in when I would go to our, our clinicals that we had our rotations during that time. And I was like, okay, I know some of these things, but some of these things I have no idea about. I don't know when I'm going to learn this or if I already did. Um, and I really kind of felt stressed out about it and I would study a lot, but I love that you said like the bees get degrees. Cause that's definitely like me and some of my friends, we would say that to each other, like don't overstress it, don't overcomplicate it. Um, make sure to have a good work-life balance. We had a really good group of friends as well throughout um, the PT program. Obviously, things got tough with COVID, but to be able to lean on them and talk with them and hang out with them, it was it made the journey a lot more enjoyable because 
in undergrad, at least my thought was, okay, once I get to PT school, I'm going to enjoy it because I'm going to be learning all of these things that I'm really motivated in and, and things are going to be specific to my profession. And I thought all of a sudden it would magically take away all of the stress and take away all of the issues. And obviously um, it did take to a certain degree that stress, like I wasn't worried about, okay, I'm competing against these people to get into PT school. Like, okay, I'm no longer having to compete to get into PT school. I'm here. I made it. Um, I know my stuff. I can learn and grow, but there were still times when I'd, I'd let that stress get to me. Um, one of our teachers, uh, he was, he's super funny. He would say, don't take the stress. And that's something that our whole class kind of joked about throughout is like that stress can come and it's a matter of you taking it on or not. You can decide to deflect it and um, obviously know that it's important to learn the things, but don't let that stress consume you. And I feel like sometimes that that happened for me. I'm sure that happens to a lot of other people um, that you, you want to do your very best. You want to gain all that knowledge, but I love that you were able to share your experiences through that and understanding like, yeah, you have to value the importance that you have as a human um, and take care of yourself, that you're not just a machine cranking out all these things and gaining all this knowledge. You have to have that good balance. So thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. And I think you made a great point too about the balance because it's, I always, I mean, now with being almost two years in patient care, patients want a human being, like it's the same, they want someone who is going to be sociable and relatable and someone that they feel like is actually listening to them and, you know, making them feel heard. And you're not going to be able to do that if your head is in a textbook all the time. Um, so that's why I say, if you're able to focus a little less on your grades and be comfortable with not doing the, you know, getting hundreds all the time, um, and just sit, sit uncomfortably with that for a little bit until it gets comfortable and then take that extra time that you have outside of studying 24 seven and work on your social skills and work on communication and work on, critical thinking and, you know, from a, like a patient standpoint, I can guarantee, like, I will, I can literally bet like my three-year school tuition on this. I can guarantee that you will be a better therapist than someone who has a 4.0 GPA. Easily yeah. can guarantee it. That is, that is great advice. That, um, I feel like this, the personal social skills um, that I've already had to use and my clinicals has been just as valuable in order to like motivate or to encourage someone to get to even get to the physical therapy part. Because if you can connect with them on that, sometimes these people aren't super motivated that I found in doing their PT um, based off of their injury, based off of a lot of different factors. And so if you're not able to connect with them, sometimes it's just going to be too overwhelming for them to even start. But if you have those good personal skill, at least that I found that can help so much in that, in the aspect of getting someone on board, having that patient buy-in. So that is great. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have one more question for you. Uh, what, as far as if a, a, a student physical therapist or a young clinician, um, they're thinking about kind of becoming a acute care physical therapist, going to a hospital, what are some of the important things that you've learned and what are some of the important steps that they could take right now to best prepare themselves to get in that type of setting? Oh, that's a good question. Um, be open to a lot of uncertainty. Um, I'm sure you can see this in other settings, but I feel like it's the most prevalent in acute care that what you see on paper is not always what is going to be in front of you because, you know, in acute care, you sometimes get more of the medical history and you see this long list of maybe prior surgeries or prior incidents. Um, 
prior hospitalizations, medications, like vitals, everything. And I think, you know, if you're going to go into this setting, you need to just walk in confidently and like, just treat the person in front of you as just that with being mindful of whatever they're in the hospital for. Um, because I can tell you plenty of times I've looked at the computer screen. I'm like, oh God, this is not going to go well at all. And I walk in and the person is literally like dancing around the room. And I'm like, so confused. So I'm like, did I enter the right room? What's going on right now? And then the person who's, you know, maybe a little bit younger and only had a simple surgery is like dying in pain in bed and like can't even get up. So if you're going to go into that setting, that's the one thing I would say. You just have to kind of, you learn this over time just to like take what you have, enter the room and just kind of, you enter the room all at the same level and then you just meet the patient where they're at. Um, once you start building a connection with them. And then I think the other thing, which kind of goes again into the communication aspect is you have to be, it's uncomfortable at first. And I will totally admit that when I had my acute care rotation, my CI was the best, but she like purposely made me talk to all the nurses and all the doctors because she knew that I hated it. And I like my voice would crack and I would just get so nervous. Um, But now like, you know, over time, again, it's something you get comfortable with, but you have to just remember that, people just want your opinion on the patient. So, you know, get all the nerves out. What did you see? Tell them what you saw. What's your recommendation? What do they need from you or the nurse or from the PA, the NP, the resident, whoever? Um, And just say it just like that. Like your professional opinion is your opinion and you just worked with a patient. Like what were, what's your conclusion? What are you going to write in the chart? Don't overthink it. Um, And just, just leave it just like that. It's, it's, it's a lot more simpler than, I, than it's like really kind of made out to be. And I, like I said, I was totally that nervous wrecking clinical. So like, I get it. Um, and then don't be afraid, of course, to advocate for your patient. And sometimes there might be a little bit of back and forth with you and another clinician or someone else from the team. Um, insurance also gets in the way a lot of when it comes to recommendations, but just remember it's your license or if you're a student, it's the reflection on you, um, theoretically on your license eventually. Um, So just, you know, remember it's your clinical decision, it's your clinical judgment. Um, There's also not really a wrong answer, but just do what's what's safe for the patient or safest for them. That is like, that. I love that because definitely even just yesterday, we had two evals and we went in and and going in, I kind of did a chart review and I looked at them both and I was like, okay, this one's going to be a little more high complexity. We're gonna have to go in. I'm not sure how it's gonna go. And I was like, this is okay. It's more manageable. I feel more confident in being able to do that eval. And then we got into the room and it was exact opposite. The one that I totally thought was gonna be a little more high complexity, super chill, like was doing great in a great spot. Other one that was a little bit less complexity. I was like, oh, okay. I was not ready for this. Um, Always is. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, so like, whoa, like I was just not prepared for it. And it was super funny. Like getting out of afterwards, talking to my CI, he's like, yep that happened you go in and exactly what you said you go in thinking one thing and then it's just completely flipped so that i'm glad that that's so like a very relatable thing in that in in the acute care field um as far as being able to reach out to you and contact you what are some of the ways that people that are interested in doing that what could they go about doing i know you're obviously being on social media what are some of the best ways to contact you yeah i mean the best way is through instagram dms because i'm pretty receptive on those sometimes emails get lost Um, But if you like have a really pressing question, Instagram is the best. Um, And if so, you have something that maybe requires more time from both of us, then you can email and it's dptsteph, S-T-E-P-H at gmail.com. 
Yeah, those are the, the best right now. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Um, do you have any final like thoughts or words that you'd like to share with all of our young um, student physical therapists or young clinicians who are wanting to become entrepreneurs in the field? Do you have any final words that you'd like to share with them? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is if you have a passion for something, find a way to run with it. If you aren't sure what your passion is yet, that's okay. And be comfortable knowing that, that that's okay. Because not everyone, you know, don't worry about what everyone else is doing, as I said before, because that's something that I will always say. Um, your, your time will come and just keep taking on every opportunity that you can to get more and more experience. So do what you like, follow the path as to what you like, and everything will come to fruition eventually. Thank you so much for that. Um, I really enjoyed this interview with you. I actually have a clinical in a couple hours and to be able to kind of talk about those feelings that you've had, especially just right now, we talked about going into a patient and kind of not knowing what to expect. And I love the part that you said, meeting the patient where you're at, um, or where they're at, sorry, um, to go in there and, and just kind of say that, like, that is such a, a great tool and resource to have in my mind. And now I'm going there today. I'm going to make sure to keep that in mind as I go to visit each patient, because yeah, each day, especially in the, in this kind of setting, their acuity can change so much to be able to go in and, and meet them where they're at. I loved that. So thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I really enjoyed it. I hope all of our listeners were able to enjoy it and are able to gain a bunch of knowledge. Uh, it was very, very, I think very informational. Thank you so much. No, of course. And thank you for having me. This was great. Awesome. Thanks. Well, I'll talk to you later, Steph. See ya. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.